please Scooby-Doo this shit. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 170. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Fornasek. Thank you guys so much for checking us out, and a happy new year to you. We are here to put a bow on 2021 and movie year that it was. And joining me is our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger. Geiger, with 2021 coming to a close, as our enforcer, I have to ask, what was your record in fights in public this year? Because uh, you've been like the Roy Jones Jr. of kicking people's asses in Target parking lots. It was 99. Until New Year's Eve, I made it 100 because I went to a grocery store and a nice older gentleman asked me if he could help me take my groceries to the car. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And he asked me if I frequently grosh here. Is that the right word? Shop? And I now. said, yeah, I do. And then after he loaded my groceries, he said, well, see you next year. And then kind of just giggled as he walked away. And I took offense to that. God, he's been waiting all year to make that fucking joke. <laughs> it is a good joke because like the next day it's like next year. I'm like, but I'm then like, you should just drive back to the store and be like, oh, I saw you again this year. Fuck face. Tip of the cap. You know, he probably said that the entire day. He's just like, and he has like the Leo face from Django after he does it. <laughs> Where he like turns around. <laughs> that's not even a dad joke at that point. If he's that old, it'd be like a granddad joke. Oh, that's a grandpa joke for sure. Which is more cringe than a dad joke. All right. Well, on the Bro 4 Squad podcast, we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. And our chest day topic for today, as you've noticed from the title, It is our 2021 movie year in review. So we are going to go back through at the beginning of the year, previously our picks in terms of movies, see how correct or incorrect they were. And then we have curated our top three movie list, our worst three movies of the year. And then I have a few honorable mentions as well. Not that anyone else needs them. And a couple of the other bros have sent us their list. So basically wrapping up 2021, putting it in the rear view Geiger, before we dive into this, uh, theaters returned in 2021, which was nice. Uh, But what do you remember? If you had to, like, summarize 2021 as a movie year, how would you describe it to people? Because some things were still pushed, like Top Gun and a few others. Uh, Yeah, like, you know, movie theater experience definitely came back, especially toward the end of the year. Um, It seemed like during the holidays, if the people did who did give a fuck about COVID was like, well, we don't give a fuck anymore, you know, like it's Jesus's birthday. So let's just go out and watch Spider-Man. I'll have to say what came back for me, Jeff, is nostalgia. Now, it's always been back because Hollywood can't come up with a new creative idea. And I guess that's all I'm going to say about it, because I'll give away like a lot of my top three. But they did it right this year, man. A lot of different movies where I'm like, yes, I'm like, where has this been the last 10 fucking years? So I'm glad you said that because as I'm looking through both what our predicted uh, top and worst movies were for the year and then what they ended up being, a lot of, like you said, nostalgia, either reboots, uh, legacy sequels, or just old characters that we got to see again. But I agree. I think on the whole this year, nostalgia was done properly. And we're going to get into that. I think that will be the theme of the night, kind of. Right. Is playing to, playing all the fan playing the classics, but that's what you don't go to a Journey concert and want to hear fucking B side. Let's play, you know, play "Don't Stop Believing." Send me home happy. Exactly. 
All right, so at the beginning of the year, and we're going to do this again for 2022. This will probably be our next episode. But we do our year preview where we make some bold predictions that inherently usually end up wrong, uh, specifically in Banner's case, since he's not on the pod, we'll make fun of him the most. The first category was our most anticipated films of the year. I said Godzilla vs. Kong mm-hmm. and Halloween Kills. Banner said Mortal Kombat. And then you said, Geiger, I actually like the theme you went with, two documentaries. You had the ti- Tiger, the Tiger Woods documentary, and Get Back, the Beatles documentary on Disney+. Plus. So oh, the Tiger documentary came out in 2021. That seemed like yeah. I watched that eight years ago. Okay. I know. So I guess first, how do you feel about your picks for most anticipated? How do the, how do those end up looking a year later? I feel really good. The Beatles documentary just came out on Disney Plus, and I haven't got to check it out. Uh, but I've heard really good things on it. I'm waiting for the Tiger one. I actually waited a long time for, and this is why I wanted to be in a certain mood. And it was like after I shot a good round of golf, I wanted to like <laughs> get a pizza and drink a beer, and I was playing really shitty then, so I had to wait. And then I actually played a good round and I watched it and it was very fulfilling. Yeah, I think, uh, and I, I'm going to mention this again at the end, but compared to 2020, I think this was actually a pretty weak year for documentaries. But Tiger, to me, was the one that I enjoyed the most. Oh, Tiger was really good. Now, Banner's pick of Mortal Kombat, man, that just scratched an itch. Again, playing to nostalgia. It, it's not a good movie, but it's what Mortal Kombat should be as a movie. That's what we needed right now. Yeah. And then Godzilla vs. Kong for me. Again, play all the fucking classics. What did I want? I heard someone say, um, man, I just really thought like some of the human characters in that movie were uh, less than stellar. And I was like, sir, did you walk into Godzilla vs. Kong and complain that Eric Skarsgård <laughs> or Alexander Skarsgård didn't I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to see God go, but I, you know, I want to see some character development too. You know, I want to, I want to see some stuff I wasn't interested in seeing. I mean, I guarantee you 90%. Okay. Not maybe 90% of the theater, but 50% who are competent individuals, you could ask them what's going to happen and they'd probably dictate what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't need to see Rebecca Hall crush it in Godzilla vs. Kong. It's like, um, like if you go to a boxing match and you know someone's going to get knocked the fuck out. I mean, but you still want to see it, but you already know what's going to happen. Exactly. Uh, and then Halloween Kills. Did you actually ever end up seeing this? I did not. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. It, uh, man, Cycling, I did a review on it, which you should check out, but I liked some elements of it, but the more it sits with me, it just feels like a weird, it's a weird movie. Like what they chose to do with it is really Jamie weird. Lee Curtis back. She is. I heard That's, there's some uh, crazy kills. Like it's like the most brutal Michael Myers has ever been. That's what I've heard. Yeah, Michael, um, that, that is the one thing that really propped this thing up for me. He does a lot of like, he's like a ninja in this one in the sense that he uses his environment to kill people. Okay. So... There's one particular really good kill with a fluorescent light bulb. Nice. Liked. All right, so our biggest sleeper movies. These are movies that were not getting a lot of talk at the start of the year that we thought could jump up and surprise people. Banner said The Kingsman, which I think just came out. There's no way. Yeah. It. There's no way. It came out with Spider-Man. Okay, that's good marketing. Good idea. Uh <laughs> You, Geiger, you said Judas and the Black Messiah, which again, very early release in the year. I'm glad Saw that's that. one fantastic. That's one nice thing I like about this is we forget about some of these movies that came out at the very start of the year. 
Uh, my sleeper movie, big mistake here, Infinite, that Mark Wahlberg, Chiwetel Ejiofor movie that came out on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. I got halfway through it. I was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Absolute pile of dog shit, which Antoine Fuqua directed. He was like the equalizer. And Does training. Wahlberg care anymore? <laughs> you know, we, we keep saying like, man, when Wahlberg tries, I'm like, when was the last time he tried? The fighter? The departed? The Tom Holland one, I think he's he's going to try. Uh, it's about a book or video game. Or Uncharted, something. yeah. Yeah. I think he gave better effort in like Daddy's Home than he did in any of these movies. Two. Um, <laughs> right. And then the other one I said is my biggest sleeper was Deep Water, which got pushed to 2022. It's a Ben Affleck, Anna de Armas movie, mm-hmm. which I'm still excited about. But Can't Hold Me Accountable for that didn't come out. And I know you feel good about Judas and the Black Messiah. That was one of your favorite movies of the year, right? Yeah, I feel really bad about when it came out because I thought that would get some Oscar love. Maybe still will, but it came out, I think, in February. Yeah, and I believe, did it come out directly on HBO Max or was it? Uh, Theaters were open then. I think it was one of those, hey, you can watch it at home or you can pay to go see it, which Judas and the Black Messiah is not, you know, like a, hey, honey, let's go see this movie at the theater. You know, it's not a a fun movie to go see. (laughs) Unless you're trying to recruit her for the Black Panthers, which maybe, I don't know. All right, last category before we get into our uh, top list for the year. Biggest flop. So basically a movie that we thought was just going to fall flat on its face. This one we're typically right. Um, So this year was a little interesting. Uh, Geiger, you said Jackass Forever, which I thought actually came out this year. But when I looked it up, it's been pushed to March of next year. I still like that pick. And the reasoning behind it was great. You were like, we're the jackass demographic, and I'm definitely not seeing it. So who is Don't this? Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's not even from the standpoint of like, oh, man, this is really sad and pathetic. I'm just like, this just isn't entertaining to me anymore. Banner said Free Guy, that Ryan Reynolds movie. I heard mixed I, things. I, I, didn't, oh. I didn't see it. I've heard – from the people I heard it was good, I don't trust. So – yeah, that's one I missed as well, so I can't really weigh in on it. Uh, my biggest flop, I had two because I always do this and break the rules. I had Space Jam, A New Legacy, which, I, I mean, it's, it was fine. I guess when I said flop, I was thinking that uh, kids just didn't know who the Looney Tunes were and nobody would go see it. But I actually think it did okay financially, even with the day and date release. I think we really uh, uh, misunderstood LeBron James's marketing to kids because I think he's the one that carried it more than the Looney Tunes. Yes. Totally. Looney Tunes is still on a little bit, though. And with HBO Max and stuff redoing it, they actually did have – they had some programming around it. And like we said, I, I'll talk about it later. Yeah, and it'll come up actually in someone's list. Um, and I also said West Side Story, which completely bombed yes. at the box office. And I'm willing to say uh, – not that he's done as a director. I know he occasionally has the, the still the – critically acclaimed hit but i am so out on steven spielberg he's he's like the guy now that he comes out with maybe a movie a year and he's like hey this is my movie so everyone go see it but then he forgets that it's not 1996 and then he gets pissed because okay west side story um it's a play right jeff yeah it used to be it's it's like a famous musical it's shakespeare right yeah, I believe so. I don't 
don't know what it's about. I don't the sharks care. Sharks and Jets. Yeah. Name a Shakespeare movie that's done good. I mean, okay, Romeo and Juliet, they had to like 90s it up with Leo to even make it kind of okay. And even for a 90s movie, it wasn't, you know, it's it's not in a top 300 list of a 90s movie you talk about. So, I, I mean, the best Shakespeare movie that's ever been done is basically they just ripped off Hamlet from, from Lion King. Other than that, I, I don't know. And didn't they do it with like uh, like Indian people? Didn't they do it in a different? Yeah. So okay, it looks like it was written by a guy named Arthur Lawrence, and it was made into a play in 1957. Wow, I thought Shakespeare wrote West Side Story. I think it's based on the Capulets and the Montesquieu's, like the two rival sides. Um, you know why I thought that is because on Orange County, when he started naming off Shakespeare, he said Hamlet, West Side Story. I thought those two were actually Shakespeare. Then he went to like Townsend, Mr. Ripley, Waterworld, Chocolat. <laughs> <laughs> well, but if you think about it, it is ripping off Romeo and Juliet because it's like the forbidden love, right? Like uh, two gangs are fighting and one guy. Sure, falls. Jeff, I don't know anything about West Side Story. So that's not bringing me to box office. I don't know these two actors. And when you tell me Spielberg, even as a 90s kid, I'm just like, all right, like, cool. I don't care. I just don't feel like he has fun with film anymore. Like, when was the last time he made, like, a Jaws or an E.T. or a Jurassic Park type movie? And I know people like, he did Ready Player book. One, but but Ready Player One just felt so uninspired and not his. Because it was based on a book, like you said. I don't know. I mean, Hook, I think he thinks Hook is terrible. And I'm like, dude, just do more like Hook. It's beneath him. He's like the actor that had like one big hit and he won't go back to it. Like David Schwimmer. Like, look, you're Ross from Friends. The, just the only friends. reason I remember looking at that movie, I, I don't remember much from the movies you're saying, but I do remember looking at that. I'm like, dude, that's down. But I remember La La Land came out. And even though that was a pretty good movie, I thought West Side Story was going to suck. But I'm like, dude, but it's got Christmas. And you've got two types of people that go to movies during Christmas. you got, you know, the regulars like us, like, yeah, let's go see Spider-Man. And by that time, I didn't know they were going to bring in everyone they're bringing in. But I'm like, dude, there's like the theater nerds and stuff, you know, in high school. is like, let's go see West Side Story. Or like the parents that you know, just drink and talk politics all the time and never watch sports. Like they go see West Side Story after this. Exactly. So I was thinking it actually might make money. I can't believe it bombed the way it did. That's musicals, insane. Dude, musicals are in trouble because like Cats really fucked up a lot of things for a lot of people, I think. Because it's like when you see Hamilton on Disney Plus, like, well, rather just go watch the actual performance of this than the movie of it. Well, you, you say musical, I'm like lame, but you say a Disney movie, I'm all for it, which is basically a musical kind of. Sure. The good ones, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who it's for and the fuck just stop wearing a scarf everywhere. It's June. I'm, I'm like I, I'm I'm a waiter just like who ordered this? And like no <laughs> one's <laughs> in a packed restaurant, no one's like right there and it's a cheeseburger and fries. It's like the most basic thing and no one's like no one ordered it. Sorry. No one raised their hand, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. All right, so West Side Story, I'm comfortable saying it's a flop. Space Jam a new legacy, you know, whatever. Take it or leave it. I didn't hate the movie. I saw it Twice, actually, because I think we had a commentary on it. All right, our top three lists for the year. I have mine, Nate Thurman's, Cycles, and yours. Banner is currently on vacation uh, in California, probably drunk as we speak, so he was unable to get us his top three lists. Uh, let's start with our number three. Does that work for you? He's probably getting drunk. He's two hours behind. 
Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the type of guy he'd be two hours like behind. He'd be like, I gotta play catch up. Like, he's no, like, it's eight have... o'clock. It's eight o'clock where I'm from, so I, I need to like get hammered. You gotta play so, catch up. Like, no, but you have, to have more time. <laughs> he's perfect there because he can just wear his uh, Hawaiian shirt unbuttoned and he just fits into the scene. Where it's here, it's a little weird. When he goes out to a TGI Fridays like that. All right, our top three movies of the year. I cheated, of course. I have a three and a three A. My three A because it actually came out December twenty fifth of last year, but I didn't see it till this year, so I wanted to give it some love. But first, my number three is a movie that I know you saw. Shocked the hell out of me. I think maybe my favorite performance of the year, and that is the Disney movie, the origin story, Cruella, starring. Emma Stone. This was one I saw in theaters earlier in the year, mm-hmm. rewatched on Disney Plus. It held up. Um, I, I just thought it was a really unique take on a character that I didn't really think I was that interested in. And I think more so than anything, I just thought Emma Stone was having the fucking time of her life and it was fun to watch her. What did you think of Cruella? Because you did see it, right? You saw it in theaters with your wife. Oh, absolutely. I saw it in theaters. Uh, it was one of the first movies me and my wife saw in theaters since having a kid. We got like uh, my parents watch them and stuff ton of fun uh, uh definitely michelle pfeiffer vibes from batman returns and, and you know we go on and on about emma stone i hope she gets an oscar nom for this but also the supporting cast the two guys she had on there were fucking perfect perfectly yes. cast the guy from yesterday and the other guy from uh, the tanya harding movie like so fucking good is like they're like just the dumb lackeys yeah. and provided comedic relief that disney's perfect at like Disney has comedic relief in some of these darker films, but it's it's not ill placed. It's it it waits for its time. It lets the game come to them. Disney lets the game come to them on comic yes. relief. It doesn't push it down your throat like, like DC does sometimes. And I'm like a DC fan, but my God, it was a great movie, man. And uh, once again, kind of gave you know like you know kind of a sympathy for the devil, Rolling Stones at the very end, which I fucking love the soundtrack on it was perfect and then that movie at the end was great and they didn't have some weird chick singing it they actually had the rolling stones in it and it was simply for the devil because at the end i'm like all right i see where krill is coming from and what does every great you know prequel movie want to make you do jeff i wanted to watch the original 101 dalmatians i even wanted to watch the ones with glenn close that came out when we were probably in fifth grade or fourth grade or something like that um great movie and i hope they make another one because they definitely set up for it yeah I, one of those came on it was on like free form i was flipping channels i watched 10 minutes of it and i was like Ugh, this is gross but <laughs> it did that's what it wanted to accomplish the original disney one i think would hold up i think i'd enjoy yeah, the first it i don't think the glenn close one i'd like yeah um and then i just have to give a shout out to emma thompson as the bitch boss of cruella i mean just perfect for that role oh yeah Absolutely. All right. So what's your number? Yeah. Oh, sorry. But uh, the guy, the gay guy, too, that makes all the clothes was fucking great. Uh, John McCrea as Artie, I believe. Yes. He was fucking fantastic, too. And Mark Strong, and no spoilers, but Mark Strong is like the assistant to Baroness. Yeah. He's good in everything that he's Everyone was very well casted. Great movie. Yep. And it's tough because when you see something that early in the year for it to still make your top three list, especially... With I know we'll get into some of the movies in December. I think December was overall the strongest months of the year. So a testament to Cruella to hold up. Uh, do you want to do your number three? Do you want me to do Thurmond or Cycles? Uh, uh, 
Uh, go with one of them. I'm going to get a beer. Let's All right. Nate Thurman's number three movie of the year was The Guilty, which is the Netflix movie with Jake Gyllenhaal where he plays the 911 operator. Did you get a chance to check that one out? I saw it. No. What's it on? It's on Netflix. No. I didn't. Yeah. Very good. Jake Gyllenhaal plays a 911 operator who gets a call from a woman that claims she is being abducted uh, in the backseat of someone's car. And the movie takes off from there. Very interesting, interesting twist at the end. And it's one of those movies that's kind of like frenetic in the sense where like it's nothing really happens for the first 10 minutes. And it's like breaking for the next hour. So the guilty was Nate Thurman's. And again, I always loved seeing it's basically like phone booth, like Jake Gyllenhaal in a room by himself. Can he carry the movie? Yes, he can. All right, Cycles number three, and remember this because he did something pretty cool with his list, was the movie The Green Knight, the A24 movie with Dev Patel. It was kind of like a science fiction meets King Arthur movie. Uh, and Cycle called me to give me his uh, description of why he liked it. He said, visually, it was crazy. It was psychedelic. It took chances. Costuming was awesome. Uh, and then it might show up again on a list today. <laughs> Okay. That's all I'll tease. So The Green Knight was his number three movie of the year. What was your number three favorite movie of the year? It's going to surprise you, all our listeners, and the other bros. HBO Max just finished it uh, last week. King Richard. Wow, really? Fantastic movie. Awesome, okay. And I like Will Smith. (laughs) I'll say I I like... I, I, I... I don't like Will Smith most of the time. I'll say that. Um, my, my wife is really big into tennis. I like watching tennis. I I, uh, I think it's kind of like World Cup for me. You know, if it's Wimbledon or something, I'll watch it. Pretty cool. I love watching women's tennis just because I think I know more women tennis players than I do men. And, I mean, the Williams sisters, I mean, were right there with Tiger. I mean, from when we were probably, what, in fifth grade to now. Mm-hmm. And... Will Smith just, I mean, he's really good at these. I'll, I'll give him credit. Like, I don't like his save the world bullshit, and I don't, I don't like his overall demeanor. I think he'd be like the nicest guy if I meet him. I just think he's like just too nice, which rubs me the wrong way. But he's <laughs> he's great in these bro, movies. Yeah. I mean, I loved him as Ali. Um, anytime he portrays somebody, he really takes it seriously. And the kid actors in this, <laughs> they have to be like. Uh, not professional, but really good tennis players because they, they didn't have stunt devils. And um, then uh, uh, Bernthal was in it. Bernthal, yeah. yeah. Can I? Ju- when I heard this idea, though, I was like, okay, thank God we're finally getting a movie about the Williams sisters. And then I heard it's basically like their stars, their dad as yeah. the main character. That's what I was like, kind of confused. Because it's it's basically I, the end of the movie is like Serena is just turning pro. If that gives you any. Okay. Like Venus is kind of in the background a lot of it. So, but did you feel like the girls got enough of the attention in the narrative, or was it really? I mean, it's their dad is the titular character, so I would understand well, it. Well, their dad's Will Smith, so of course he's. But the mom plays a big role. She's a great actress. I don't know her. I, I don't know anything else she's been in. Um, who the the girl that played Venus was fucking fantastic. Serena was just kind of in the background. <clears throat> Which I didn't like because, you know, Serena, the, the only thing is, I guess there was a reason for it because 
um, at the end, he was talking to Serena because Serena, like behind his back, kind of got in tournaments because her dad's like, you're not ready yet. You know, you're yeah. too small or too young. And he always said, like, Venus is going to win Wimbledon. Venus is going to win Wimbledon. And he told Serena, he's like, you know, your sister's going to win Wimbledon and be number one in the world. And she's like, I know, Dad. And then he looked at her and he got down on one knee. He's like, but you're going to be the greatest that ever did it. Which was which the thing I hate about these movies, though, I always like, did that happen, though? I know. Yeah, because some of like, the stuff <laughs> is so over the top. Because you know how the Mannings are always like, you know, Cooper would have been the best one. I'm like, what do you have? Shut the fuck up. You're both Hall of Famers. There's no way. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good, man. It's um, like almost a three hour movie. Doesn't feel like it. The end scene is uh, Serena finally playing like her first uh, professional match. And, you know, like sports movies when you're like actually in it where you're like rooting. Like I was like rooting. I'm like, oh, I'll do this, do that. Even though, you know. Like, this is an actual match that happened back in the 90s. Like, right. you know, you could probably Google it and look up what happened. But it was very, very well done. And Bernthal was fantastic in it. I liked his look. He plays... Uh, like their first coach, right? Or one of their uh, first... Yeah, I could look it up. Like, he's like... um, I mean, He's like the Butch Harmon of tennis. Like, for okay. all you golfers. Like, my wife knew who he was. He's like, he's like he is like the trainer. You oh, know, wow. and so he's like the people that people go to and stuff, but it was very well done. And there's a lot of stuff I question, but since I don't really know anything about it, if it was a Tiger Woods movie, I don't know if I'd like it as much. And like, that wasn't real. That wasn't real. Cause I'd follow his career, but it was really good. You should, uh, I would, I would think Will Smith would get an Oscar nom for it. And he got really fat for it. So nice. I'm shocked, but I'm glad you liked it. Now, not to spoil the Broskers, but currently it is nominated for our 2 a.m. drunk text asking you up, which is a movie that's desperate for Oscar recognition. Do we need to revisit that? Or is it still Oscar? I didn't movie? feel like it was that desperate. Really? Okay. There wasn't too many <clears throat> scenes where it's like, you know, pull at the heartstrings like, hey, you know, everyone shut up. You know, Will Smith's acting. Like, right. He doesn't. <laughs> I will I will give him this. He doesn't come off as like sniffing the Oscars ass all the time. Will Smith okay. doesn't do that to me. We'll have to revisit it. Just for a reference point, you at home, another movie nominated for the 2 a.m. drunk text asking you up that's desperate for Oscar recognition is The Last Duel with Matt Damon. Oh, God. I mean, that's probably the the odds. Vegas has them at like minus You see four. the director like yelled at the sky pretty much to the clouds for nothing. He said... People didn't see his movie because kids have smartphones. <laughs> what about what about the new one on Netflix with Leo, who's like fatter and shit and everyone else? That's I, know, a, I need to watch that one. I wish I would have before this show, but it's two and a half hours and I haven't had time to yet. But I've heard very mixed things, which always intrigues me. All right. I have to mention this real quick. My 3A <clears throat> is the movie Promising Young Woman, which came out December 25th of last year and... Actually, my cousin and I did a pretty lengthy review on this, if you want to go check it out. But again, just a really good movie as far as, like, talking points after you watch it. Didn't technically come out this year, but I wanted to give it a shout-out. All right, my number two movie of the year, Geiger. This might be yours as well. Speaking of nostalgia, nostalgia done properly, and this was my number one movie of the year for a while, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Let's do it. Let's double-team it. Fuck yeah. So this is your number two. My number two, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess skip ahead maybe a minute 
if you haven't seen it, because spoilers. But I think this got the taste out of my mouth of the Paul Feig <laughs> reboot Ghostbusters. And more importantly, did it lean heavily in on nostalgia from the previous ones? Yes, but that's what I wanted, and I think it executed it perfectly, especially with Harold Ramis no longer being with us. I thought the way they handled him still being involved in it was perfection. What did you think? It was a perfect movie. It really was. And uh, I think the only thing people could, uh, which I've seen people bash it for, was it wasn't funny enough. And it was actually kind of a, not a scary movie, but you know, it was more, but you, you had Paul Rudd, which was kind of the comedic relief. But the kids are very serious. The kids and the mom, no comedic relief really at all. Yeah, it was a very serious movie, but it did the originals justice, man. And that's that's what we always come for. And I have to say this. So after I saw this movie, I told my parents, like, you need to go see this. And I felt like this, how I felt leaving this movie, say I saw it with my parents, is how I should have felt leaving The Force Awakens. Ugh, where it's like analogy. two generations match when, like, your parents, like, I remember taking your mom to see this movie when we were dating before you were in there. And now it's out again. And, you know, Harold Ramis is dead. Who was like, he was Adam McKay back in the day. That's who he fucking was. He was like the director that was in it. He he was actually a bigger actor than Adam McKay, but he's like the closest I could think of. And that is the nostalgia that like, they, they definitely paid homage to the past, but then it was such a great movie that they don't need any of those guys in the second one because yeah, the actors the were so, so good, the kid yeah. actors, you could just roll with it from there. Even the kid podcast when he first introduced himself, I'm like, dude, get this guy out of the fucking movie. By the and end, Dan I was like, Aykroyd's give me more. Dan Aykroyd's subscriber. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you're my subscriber. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> like, there's just one. Greatest CGI have you ever seen? Probably right. From like an actual dead person. Yeah, it was like insane and. We're to the point now where, like, if you can just get the family's estate to sign off on it, like, dude, you can put pretty much anybody in a movie now, uh, right? Yeah, I'll have to say they kind of had training wheels because Harold Ramis' character was dead in the film. Right. So it, he wouldn't look real. So it actually would look kind of like a ghost. But still, it looked fucking fantastic. It was but cool as shit. The opening scene where he's like, they did a good job of keeping him in shadows, you know, when he yeah. was alive. I thought that was really well done, too. And I, I liked I liked how they just kept it till the end. You know, some of these movies, you know, they you know, don't have them in the whole movie. Just keep them till the end. Like, let, let the new stars, you know, do their thing to, you know, keep on the franchise and stuff. But great fucking movie. Yeah, that's a great point. It let the new characters breathe. And then when it needed to, it it went made the call to it, the bullpen and brought it back. Definitely it definitely went down on, like, the fans, too. Like, so many Easter eggs. So many. It had Slimer in it. It had... And then at the end, if you stayed, it was Sigourney Weaver came back. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was it was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> really Perfect. good. All right. That's she cool. We had the same great. too. Uh, she, she does look great. She's she like really good. Whatever skin routine she's on, we need to get on that. Nate Thurman's number two movie of the year was the one we just mentioned, but we haven't seen. Just came out. Don't Look Up, the Adam McKay directed movie starring Leo, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill. Um. Timothy Chalamet, I believe, is in it as well. So I need to check that one out. And seeing that it this late in the year still got on his top three, number two. Who's is, the president in it? I think Meryl Streep is, actually. I oh, I thought this was like a real-life movie. Don't Look Up? 
No, I thought it was like it it was like this took place in real life, like during like Clinton or Bush. This is oh, a no. fake movie. Yeah. Okay. Never it's present mind. Day. All right. I'm intrigued now. I thought this was actually <laughs> something that happened during the Clinton administration, which no offense, when Hollywood ever like does something during like a president, like it's like take it with a huge grain of salt. Right. But right, right. since okay, since is that I, I'm actually intrigued by it now because first I thought this actually happened. No. Okay. But I'm sure it's Not an yet. allegory for <laughs> right. Like, wait till next week. Uh, and then Cycles number two. I can't really speak to Don't Look Up because just because I haven't seen it. Cycles number two is the conclusion to the Daniel Craig James Bond film. Or franchise, No Time to Die, which, again, another one I didn't see, unfortunately, but Cycli and his dad are huge James Bond heads. They saw it together, and Cycli just said it was the perfect bow on his run as James Bond. Very emotional ending. Uh, and I guess his Bond movies, as opposed to really any other Bond, actually have a sort of one through line that runs through them, like a story arc, which was kind of unique, which I didn't really think about it that way. But, like, the Brosnans really don't connect at all. Connery's obviously didn't. Alan Moore didn't do enough. You know, like, it's the first time we really had a James Bond whose movie's connected, which is kind of weird. For better or worse. I can't get into James Bond. I never could. I, I can't get we, into Mission Impossible either. I don't... I don't know. Yeah, well, you're, you're on your own with Mission Impossible, because, uh, you know, I'm still writing letters to the Academy that Mission Impossible Fallout got snubbed. Fallout Boy, yeah. Mission Impossible, Fallout Boy. All right, our, <clears throat> our number one movies of the year. <clears throat> Let's go reverse order. So we'll start with Nate Thurman's. It's a movie that I remember him talking about on Protein Shake, but I, I hadn't seen. It's a Western, Matt, called Old Henry. Have you heard of this? I don't know if that's the one you told me to watch or not. So it stars Tim Blake Nelson, who you'd probably remember. He's from Incredible Hulk. He's from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um... Kind of a goofy. Okay. You'd know him if you saw him. Um, and the plot synopsis, according to IMDb, an action western about a farmer who takes in an injured man with a satchel of cash. When a posse comes for the money, he must decide who to trust. Defending a siege, he reveals a gunslinging talent calling his true identity into question. It's a pretty good fucking description for a movie. <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool. I mean, it's better than, you know, like, hey, old, retired, you know, wanted outlaw, like, hey, I'm not, that's, I'm not about that life anymore. And then they just keep testing him. And he's like, all right, well, one more time. And he just kills I, everyone. I you know. ain't who I used to be. <laughs> I ain't that man no more. So old, it. old Henry and Nate's uh, top 100 list is stacked with Westerns. So I know it, it's too late to add this to his top 100 movies of all time. Possibly. Maybe we'll see it later, but. This I dream of a day food. where me and Thurman just tee off at seven and get extremely drunk and just cook steaks on a stick like cowboys did and watch westerns all day. But in that dream, we'd also have to be single to accomplish it. So yeah, or just tell your wives you're uh, we're, <laughs> we're going on a cattle drive. Yeah, so actually, the city slickers thing I could see me and Thurman doing, but once again, in that dream, we'd have to be single. Yeah, you could get permission, maybe we don't know. All right, old Henry. Nate's okay. movie of the year. Uh, Cycle's number one movie of the year, Judas and the Black Messiah. Huh. Yeah. All right. We've been uh, pumping this movie up a lot. Is it still on HBO Max? Because I know they take their shit off and like put it. I don't think it is. I, it might be back on. I think they just take it off 
to get like a little bit more theater shit and then they put it back on i don't know i it's a movie that's good it's 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 better than good but it's it's another one that i'm like i don't think i'll ever watch it again yeah like the revenue um it is currently nominated for bro's best picture it's like it's like keto you just you do it once to say you did it but you're never gonna do it again come on and it works but it's like book away (laughs) recipe get out of here uh all right so what is your number one film of the year i think we might have the same one say it it's gotta be right it's gotta be spider-man spider-man no way home i mean it's fucking gotta be god i saw with my mom everybody was crying everybody was clapping theaters were back it was an avengers endgame type experience that i'll remember for 20 years it was way better it was i will say this it was sorry real quick skip ahead a minute skip ahead a minute if you haven't seen spider-man no way home sorry matt okay and we're back. Yeah. It's way better than Endgame, and this is why, to me. Um, first off, I would say, okay, take out the Keaton Batmans, because Kilmer killed it. Comic books were dead. X-Men brought them back, but what really fucking brought it back was the first Toby Spider-Man. I mean, yeah. that was, it was the biggest fucking movie of all time, um, because even in Entourage, they were talking about, like, that's the biggest premiere of all time. Fucking biggest. Yes. And it was the perfect comic book movie i'll still watch it i mean macho man was in it bone saw. flash thompson was actually flash thompson's fucking sofia vagara's husband defoe was great everyone's casted Defoe perfectly. was awesome and he's even he's just as good in there chris dunce was great i yeah. mean and everyone was at their peak so william defoe was like that was his like jack nicholson role you had Franco coming in. You had Chris Dunst right off Bring It On. Then Tommy McGuire, who's like going to be like the next Leo. Everyone's fucking just on their way up. I still remember going to the pool that day on a Friday, just pumped to fucking see it. And all my friends yeah. laid by the pool all day and then went and saw it. Got my first hand job in the theater to that movie. Nice. Always fucking remember. Also, the fact that like we speculated they were coming back, but I am so glad Andrew Garfield lied about this for basically a year in interviews, right? He's like, dude, I'm not in the movie. When he walks through that portal, I honestly, like, tears were literally streaming down my face. And he walked through it first, which was great. And then you had Tobey Maguire, which my theater clapped. Oh, my theater was going absolutely apeshit. So I want to say two things, and I want either questions for you. One is name any franchise that usually do three that get better as they go. And the third one being the fucking best. And then two, <laughs> name a time where you have like basically a dead franchise, like the amazing Spider-Man, everyone think was a colossal failure, even though I thought Andrew Garfield did a pretty good job. They bring them back and people are fucking begging for it. I know. And, like, and I'm, kinda, for another I'm one. right there with them though. I'm like, fuck yeah, give me another one, dude, the scene. And again, if you're back, skip ahead again another minute but where they're all like at the statue of liberty and they're making their plan and they're like numbering off which peter is is who yeah and holland's like all right i'm peter number one to toby he goes you're peter number two and garfield goes peter number three peter number three <laughs> i fucking lost my shit <laughs> like of course i'm the third one their banter back and forth was incredible and the line where he says to toby so are you, do you have a suit, or are you just going to go into battle dressed like a cool youth pastor? My, my wife, like, cracked up during the <laughs> She was like, oh, my God, that's really funny. And, and Toby's great is they all got him. I mean, they look great. Toby looked great. Yeah, they look awesome. And I mean, Toby they, they looked in shape. And I, 
the other thing, Jeff, is just like, I mean, it made me want another fucking Tobey Maguire one. I want like all of it. And yeah. Tom Holland is so perfect. But how, like you said, the banter and once again, how I felt when Toby came through. So it wouldn't be my parents, but let's say uh, my son was like eight years older and Holland is like his Spider-Man. I'm like, dude, Toby's mine. Like yeah. that would have been a fucking thing to like see. I know. I'm, I'm like, jealous that's of, my Spider-Man. Uh, and yeah. It, it's like a generation. Once again, thing. why can't Star Wars do that? <laughs> like Marvel did it. Ghostbusters did it. And it's going to come up again on my bottom three because there's some movies that I thought were okay. Then after I saw Ghostbusters and Spider-Man, I'm like, eh, the bar's raised because you've actually shown not only Marvel, but other, um, other like people have shown that you can do this. You can make these nostalgia movies actually good and yeah. pay homage to the past. But it was fucking perfect. It was a perfect fucking movie. And then I even talked about how they brought back the villains. All of them were fucking perfect, too. I know. And, yeah, again, Willem Dafoe slides right back into that role, and it's just like, god damn it, this guy's fucking built to be Norman Osborn. Why why DC and Warner Brothers haven't casted him as the Joker is fucking beyond me. He would have been probably the greatest one ever. It's incredible. And you can tell he loves it. Oh, yeah, he's having a blast. And I also think, and this is no longer spoilers, but uh, the reason this movie worked, too, is at the core of it, Tom Holland, like, it's cool to have Doctor Strange and all this crazy shit happening, but the Peter and MJ relationship that has been cultivated in the MCU, that's really the main point of this movie, and that's where, yeah. like, the whole thing works. And I like that they said MJ's real name um, on this, Zendaya, MJ. The only thing I want, I wanted after credit scene where, like, Toby goes back to his universe, and he comes back, and Kristen Dunst is, like, yelling at him because he has, like, three kids, and they're just, like, throwing fucking webs all over the house. Like, where have you been? I've been with these three kids for like 10 hours. And yeah. Stuff. I wanted Kristen Dunst in it so bad because I loved her as Mary Jane. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. At the very end, I was sort of just, my mind was going fucking crazy. Like who's going to show up in this thing. I uh, thought, I thought, um, Franco would because he was hobgoblin. I think the issue is his off offset thing, you know, like the sexual assault allegations. He's pretty much canceled at this point. Oh, I didn't know he he had sexual assault allegations. There's like six or seven. Seth Rogen said he'll never work with him again, and all these other. He's done. So. I oh, I'll have to look on this. I didn't have yeah. even heard this. Rogen, turn, dude, you don't turn your back on your boy. What the fuck's up with that? Yeah, Seth, Seth Rogen said some pretty fucked up stuff about him. So. That's your that's your homework after this. You'll have fun looking that. I up. will. Was it on Spider Man or just? Uh, I think one was on Spider-Man. It was like that, when he was in his heyday, dude. It was like Flyboys and um, what's that movie? He We've did lost every Boots. listener right now because they all clicked off our YouTube to go to see what the fuck yeah. <laughs> sexual assault was. Yeah, I'm like about just to leave our own podcast so I can go look this up. Like, I, huh. I have not heard about this. Yeah, and then uh, he like directed a movie where supposedly he like gave the part allegedly gave the part uh, only to women parts to only women who had sex with him. Things like that. They're kind of like the Bro Force one. Yeah, basically. That's Getting what... nervous because it sounds like a lot of stuff we do. Yeah, except he's famous and no one gives a fuck about us. So, all right, our bottom three of the year. This is a, my favorite part because, as fun as it is to toast movies, it's more fun to shit on them. I feel like my number three. We'll go through these pretty quickly. 
Reminiscence. This was that movie that came to HBO Max, originally intended for theaters, with Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Ferguson, and Thandi Newton, where Hugh Jackman has this device that can, like, record your dreams, and he uses it to kind of solve a murder. And the movie makes no fucking sense. It's Boring. way long. And Hugh Jackman's great in it. I mean, that dude acts his ass off in everything that he's in. But the ancillary characters in it are, like, soap opera level bad. And there's just so much shit in the movie that doesn't need to be there. Like, it takes place in this, like, futuristic world where, like, everything is flooding all the time. And I don't know if this is based on a book, but, like, that has nothing to do with anything in the movie. I'm like, why the fuck... Are we in Waterworld? This doesn't make sense. With It's just adding shit that doesn't need to be there. So Reminiscence was my third worst movie of the year. Geiger, what was your third worst film you saw in 2021? It was something I thought was kind of good, and we've all talked about it was kind of good, but after Ghostbusters, Spider-Man, bar got raised a little bit. I'm going to throw Space Jam in there. Just because they didn't really pay homage to the first one at all. That's true. It's, it's almost like the first one didn't even happen. Like, they didn't really even bring it up. I mean, you didn't have, you know, I, maybe I understand Jordan, but I mean, you could have got like Muggsy Bogues or LJ or someone. I can come back a little bit, it, at least make it seem like a sequel. It didn't seem like a sequel at all. It just seemed like LeBron, since he, he went to the Lakers, wanted a fucking movie deal. Like, oh, well, it was throwing a Space Jam. It didn't make any sense. Like we said, if anything, they should have had a Space Jam with like Tiger Woods or did a different sport and, you know, paid homage to the second one. But after the nostalgia fucking just you know orgasm i had the last couple months of the year i'm gonna go back to space jam and be like dude you're you're not up to snuff at all and because of the basically the you know the marketing you're carrying with space jam it should have been a lot better than it was yeah and now that you mentioned it like i think the concept of it maybe with a different sport would have really interested me like even do like a football player tiger woods would have been cool yeah in football, you could have been like, I, I mean, I don't Patrick know, like, Mahomes, I don't know. Like, Patrick Mahomes would have worked. Um, yeah, any of that. <laughs> baseball, you could have done maybe. I don't, I don't think any of the stars the were that hates big. But, the market itself. So it'd yeah. be like, no, we're not interested. Good pick. All right, Cycli's number three worst movie of the year is also his third best movie of the year. And that is The, Green, the Green Knight. <laughs> and he called me and said... It looked great. It was so creative. It blew my mind. I also left having no fucking idea what it was or why I watched it. And I compared this to Tenet for last year for me, where I sat through it and I'm like, I think this is good. But Cycli said he did about four hours of Reddit research after this and still doesn't know what the fuck it is. You're the beer nerd at the bar that's too too scared to say that they like it because everyone else like might say it's the worst fucking IPA I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great analogy so cycle texted me his list he said best and worst and i said green knight on both and he sent back yes crying face emoji <laughs> <laughs> so, we could it, we could ask if that's legal but he is our legal counsel so it's kind of a <laughs> yeah i'm not trying to get embarrassed uh nate thurman's third worst movie of the year was one that i actually kind of enjoyed it wasn't anywhere near my top three but it was that Chris Pratt Amazon Prime movie, The Tomorrow War, where aliens invade in the future and they have to go back in time. I'm out. To recruit. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Matt. Chris Pratt, has his, is, is he a shooting star? Did his career just fizzle out? 
Like, I mean, you, care about Jurassic you might have Park. one more Jurassic World thing in him, but you know, he he was the funny guy. But now every every actor that's um, an action hero is all funny. They're all fucking funny. So I I don't know what's left for him. Yeah, like if you want that role cast, there's like a couple other guys you could get that are maybe more marketable than him right now. So I mean, just spend an extra couple mil and get Hemsworth. Yeah. All right, Nate's number two is also mine. Second worst movie of the year, and that is The Little Things, which this is definitely Oscar bait as well. I don't know if you saw this, but came out earlier in the year. Denzel, Remy Malik, and Jared Leto, Jared oh, yeah. Leto-ing all over the fucking place. Did you watch this? I did, finally. I realized that Remy Malik uh, was perfect for Freddie Mercury, and that's it. <laughs> I don't think... Yeah. Uh, he has anything else. Um, he was good in a USA. Like they'll say, iRobot was good. I'm like, dude, that was a USA show. Right. Name one other USA show that's ever been fucking good. Denzel is Denzel. I love Denzel. And Leto is really wearing thin on me. Even God, though, like, like my walk. wife would, my my wife would like bang bang him in front of me. But I just I don't. I'm getting. He's getting to Tom Hardy level with me jeff that i'm 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 done backing him i know <laughs> so he just he done. just like look i i appreciate when an actor wants to bring something to the role but he adds all this fucking minutia to his characters that just distracts me and it's so self-serving like the way his character like walks with his stomach sticking out you know the director was like dude why the fuck are you doing that he thinks he's daniel day lewis but when daniel day lewis does stuff you don't really notice it Right. And then when someone brings it up, you're like, did you see what he did in that scene? You're like, oh, I didn't even notice that. That's awesome. Leto does it to be like, hey, I'm acting. I'm doing something that's not in the script. Remember when I sent used condoms to the rest of the cast? Yeah, Jared, actually, they all really wish you didn't do that. Well, that's. I will that's- say this every single time he's brought up. He was in the mountains doing God knows what and came back and didn't know what COVID was. Yeah. That's all, all you have to know about Jared Leto. <laughs> of course. Yeah, no phone, no nothing. Of course. So what is your number two worst movie of the year? Uh, Suicide Squad. Really? I, I've already talked about it. I mean, it's it's fucking awful, Jeff. <laughs> I I mean, it's just worse than the, first one, the, the first fucking movie. John Cena spinoff with HBO Max looks dumb as fuck, too. And if you like the one thing I hate is that we're getting new subscribers and a lot of people probably think like well he's a marvel guy i'm like i'm fucking bigger dc guy on you but this fucking sucks like this shit sucks and them trying to make suicide squad like the ship has sailed and you know if really think about what that means the ship has sailed you made a fucking trailer that was badass the original one with leto and then you changed it all up because a movie that barely connects to it at all like had mixed fucking reviews. So you made it lighter threw a queen song on it and fucked up the whole script. When you got in a director that did fucking training day and keep saying that you ruined his vision. And now you're just keep trying to re fucking do it. Even though like it's confusing. It's not confusing. It's almost like, do you think I'm this dumb? So is this Harley Quinn also in birds of prey? It's the same actress. Is it also in the first one? And no it's just it's just terrible, and they're just trying to make they're trying to be Guardians of the Galaxy so bad that they get the same director from Guardians. Just do Guardians. I'm like, why don't you do fucking Suicide Squad like the comics? Why don't you just do it? 
I had some fun with this, but I, I do agree. It's like even the title basically being the same thing. Like I know someone home's like, um, excuse me. It did not have the word the. <laughs> so it's like DC what they do. And I am the Marvel guy in the show. But if you ask me to name my top 10 superhero movies, I bet at least half of them would be DC films. Cause I got two of the dark Knights in there right off the bat. You might as well just throw in the Batman because that Pattinson right. one's going to be in your top yeah. 10. So let's just already slot that in. But <laughs> they, it's like the things they do, like you just can't do. Like if they don't like a movie, then they just act like they didn't make it or like cast the same people because they like the casting, but they're like, well, well that's out of continuity because they think it's stupid. And we've talked about legacy reboots and how we think it's cheating, even though like we give Halloween a break sometimes, even though they're like, oh, those seven movies didn't fucking count. But at a certain point, it's like, you're like the little kid who's like trying to tell a lie that he has a pet Ewok, and every time he gets caught, he's like, no, I didn't say Imagine that. Imagine Brady saying, oh, that Super Bowl against the Eagles, I didn't win, so that one doesn't count. That one doesn't count. Just forget yeah, about it. Yeah, 7-0 in Super Bowls if you take out all my losses. It's like, uh, whatever, man. <laughs> and just the DC, they just try so hard with comedy, and dude, I like funny shit, you know, and I like raunchy stuff, but then after a while, I'm just like... You're just trying to be raunchy for the sake of being raunchy, and you're trying to, and and they made it, like I said, it was um it was a gore bath, but it, it had no place to be. like I I like when people die excruciating deaths. It's fun to watch, but on this is like it just seemed like oh we're just gonna make it like way more fucking rated R and like guns and stuff, and I'm like, but it didn't call for it at all. It was just terrible. Yeah, and I hate John Cena and. And him wearing the costume to the premiere, I'm like, God, dude, you're so and desperate. They're just wasting Margot Robbie. She is a she's a great Harley Quinn. I'll give her that. I mean, she would be great at anything. She'd be a great Selena Kyle. She'd be, but fuck, they just like, hey, uh, be do this. Just be Harley Quinn. If this movie sucks though, we're gonna throw you in another one. So don't worry about it. I kind of feel bad for her. I actually did read she signed on. She signed on to play Harley Quinn two more times. Who knows what in what? <sighs> Who knows if it'll connect to the. It, uh, okay, she's been Harley Quinn. She's the only Harley Quinn we've ever had on cinema. Mm-hmm. She might be in five movies, and four of them might not connect to anything that <laughs> she else is. She's, a good just point. fucking just put that put that in your protein shake, shake it up, and drink it, and then fucking talk to me. It's it's a little weird, yeah. Especially when you look at and again, I hate obviously I'm biased, but <clears throat> when you look at how well Marvel's been able to keep continuity between 25 movies and now six shows. It's like, no, they're not all great, but it's like your relative. Like, if you don't like your fucking uncle, like, he's still your uncle, you know? Oh, and let's just get Edger Selva since we can't get Will Smith. We won't make him the same character. We'll make him kind of close. Pretty much the same fucking backstory. And we'll do the shark instead of the crocodile this one. And we'll and do just the polka-dotted like, guy. Just like the Groot villain still sucks. The ending name. was the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. If they'd have a good villain in this, I might have actually given it, like, my time of day. King Shark is a shark. Well, that's real clever. It's not at all like I am Groot. <laughs> all right. Our, wow, we're down to our number one. Our worst movie of the year. So, uh, a lot of... Oh, sorry, did, did we do our number twos? Is that where we're at? I mean, I did my number two. Okay, Cycle's number two is Space Jam, A New Legacy. Okay. I think that's the last one for him before his number one, which is Tom and Jerry. And... Cycli said, he called me on the phone, he and his wife started this on HBO Max, and they had a competition to see which of them would tap out first. So let's see how far into this we can get. 
He said at the six minute eleven second mark. That's pig- a fun game. I want to play that final. Yeah. <laughs> Pigeons started rapping, and his wife said, "I simply cannot do this." So they made it six minutes and eleven seconds in. Cycle's not the one you want to play that game with because he'll watch the whole fucking thing twice. <laughs> Banner's the one you don't want to play that game with because he'll put that movie on his top three of the year. Banner will be like, it's a twice a year watch for me, Tom and Jerry. This is a fun movie. That's what Banner would say. <laughs> take it so seriously. Jesus. Uh, so Tom and Jerry, and the fact that he actually started it, if there's, and Cycli did say this to me. He wants to challenge anyone at home who says, well, fuck you, man. You didn't watch the whole movie. He says anyone that has that argument he welcomes to come on the pod and defend Tom and Jerry against him because that's a hill he wants to see someone die on. Okay. All right, Geiger, what is your number one worst movie you saw in 2021? I didn't see it. I don't have to see it. And that is American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. <laughs> I can't do it, Jeff. That's awesome. You know why? Okay, I... If someone that's listening has seen it, I will tell you what it is. It's basically the guy from Shazam who can't fucking act. As a quarterback, Kurt Warner was a fine quarterback. He was gifted probably one of the best fucking offenses ever. And Three Hall of Famers, like, at least. Well, I hate when people are like, they were a dynasty. The 85 Bears was a dynasty. Really? How many Super Bowls they win? One. That's not a fucking dynasty. I hate to tell you. It's right. not. I mean, they're a great team. That year, they might have been – you could argue that they're the greatest team ever. The, the greatest show on turf was not a fucking dynasty. They won one Super Bowl. That's it. That's it. They were th- three years good. And they actually started the Patriots dynasty because they, right. they lost to the Vinatieri A team. real fucking dynasty that's kind of still going. <laughs> right. But I will tell you why I can't fucking stand this movie. Is It's because it's blindside too. And Kurt Warner's wife, who we all know, Jeff, who was basically the – Brittany Mahomes before Brittany Mahomes of Ugh. if Twitter existed when Kurt Warner's wife was around, my God, like, so think of Megan Rapino only a little dykier and you got Kurt Warner's wife. You don't even have to Google her. I just fucking showed you a picture in your mind. And she was basically all about like everything was someone else's fault. And then she is all over this movie. She's publicity in this movie. So basically it'll be her being like, oh, Dick Vermeil wants you to run the ball. No, I think you should throw it. That's what this movie's going to fucking be. She it's used to be call into radio stations and complain when they would criticize Kurt Warner. Right. And Kurt Warner was a good quarterback. I don't know if he – he won a Super Bowl, so they might put him in the Hall of Fame, which is stupid because Marino didn't win a Super Bowl, but he might be the greatest quarterback ever. Right. And I don't think Kurt Warner – is like when I think of great quarterbacks ever, he doesn't come to mind. He's fine. And his career got started a little bit later. So I don't think his like career numbers are like that gaudy. Well, no, he was bagging groceries and playing arena football. And and then he, you know, made it, but, and then Dennis Quaid's in it as Dick Vermeil. And he's just like, they, he, you know, does this like, he's like, you're an underdog. He's like, you know, he says the fucking title in the trailer and I already know what this is. This is a feel-good Christmas movie. Like, hey, you ate too much pie, but maybe in the new year you could go on a jog like Kurt Warner instead of bagging groceries. You could play in the Super Bowl and shit like that. It's like, I don't know, man. It's it just is fucking bad. It looks terrible. And the only reason that Kurt Warner was bagging groceries is because his agent probably sucked. I mean, he's a yes. no-name white guy that can kind of run an offense. There's no reason he shouldn't have fucking got a job when he got cut from the Packers. So, Geiger, I'm glad that you made this your worst movie of the year because I'm sending you right now 
in the chat if you can click it what is going to be your your worst movie of the year next year without you even seeing it so there's a movie called home team i've already seen i've i've already seen this trailer (laughs) and yes i book it go ahead and book it kevin james this would be worse because i hate kevin james (laughs) i know know. and he doesn't even look if i'm sean payton i'm like that he's playing me but what's great is this this disney feel-good movie is like He's like, oh, Sean Payton's so great. His coach is like, the reason he's out of coaching is because he was, maybe not him, but his defense coordinator was paying players to literally try to injure other players. Allegedly. Oh, Jesus Christ. Did you prove it? Yes. Must be a lawyer. There's actual checks that you've written to people. I, I like sports stories. I really do. But when they fabricate them, just like Blindside, I guarantee you Sandra Bullock didn't go down there. And there's no way he was that raw in high school. Like, he could actually probably play and right. shit. Like, I mean, it's all, like, so uh, exaggerated for film. Ask ask any of your black friends if they like Blindside. Because that's so, like, hey, I'm... The white hero you know, story. I, I like yeah. black people. Like, I let one in my home, but he also went to the NFL. That had nothing to do with it. Would you have taken him in if he was five two, could jump and wasn't athletic? Like, yeah, come that's on. the question. All right, Nate's number one worst move of the year was actually also my two A, uh, and that is Home Sweet Home Alone. The I guess okay. it's a sequel because Buzz comes back, but uh, to the of course 1990 classic Home Alone on Disney Plus. Now, it's crazy that this is my 2A, because if you go back, we actually did a movie commentary on this, a blind movie commentary, meaning none of us had seen the movie prior to it. And halfway through, dude, I was, you were on it, right? I was, yeah, I was on it. Dude, I was digging this fucking movie. Wasn't bad. Then the third act happens, and it totally lost me. Yep. Which, as we all know, is the key to a Home Alone movie, The Traps. Home Alone is the third act. Right. So the if you, this were a stock and you looked at like the chart of the its growth throughout the day, it's fucking volatile as hell. But this was Nate's worst film of the year, Home Sweet Home Alone, and was close to me because it was my two A. Do you have anything positive to say about this movie, Geiger? Was it just a total piece of shit to you? Not really. Uh, I can see why you put it there. We always talk about these. Was it a bad movie? No. But since you have the name attached to it. You have a lot to live up to, man. So you better, you know, like Aaron Rodgers following Brett Favre. Like, if he was just following a guy, I mean, you got a lot to live up to. And whenever you attach a Home Alone movie and you put it on Disney+, Plus, which is like a streaming platform that has taken off the last couple years, right during Christmas, you expect at least be Home Alone 3. What do you mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, my number one worst movie of the year, and this is really just because of my expectation versus what I got, and that is Spiral from the Book of Saw, which was the Sawhead. Cycle and I are huge Sawheads. We've done commentaries on the first five. We'll do the sixth one next year. And we had heard Chris Rock wrote the screenplay, and he said, I had an idea. And I pitched it to Lionsgate at a barbecue three years ago, and they said, that's fucking brilliant. After seven years away from the Saw franchise, this is the way we bring it back. And there was Chris nothing. Chris Rock, really. Okay. Yeah, there was nothing special about this movie at all. At all. I'm baffled. And 
Like, what do you pitch him? <laughs> what do what he pitch them? I said in our review, without spoiling it, four of this exact movie come out every single year. Four of them. I could probably pinpoint them to you right now. And so I don't know what he pitched to Lionsgate that they haven't heard before. There's no fucking twist that you ne- haven't seen before. So disappointing. And you got my fucking money. I saw this in theaters. <laughs> slapped Saw on That was probably when he pitched him. <laughs> Just yeah. say Chris Rock wrote the script. Cycle and I both saw it in theaters. So you got my fucking $17. Congratulations. You said like Chris Rock wrote. I was like, well, it's not like James Carpenter went up to him at a barbecue. <laughs> like originally right. wrote Halloween. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> Well, it is weird too because the movie actually opens with well, Chris was he Rock black the whole time. Like, what was it, like? What could Chris Rock potentially pitch Lionsgate that they're like, damn, really? I don't know. Yeah, I they, maybe they just wanted to attach his name to something, but I don't think he's like a. I think he's very talented, but he's not like this box office gold, you know. Uh, all right, you have anything else? I have a few honorable mentions that I'll run through in thirty seconds. No, no just quit making fucking sports movies. Yeah, it's been been a while since we had a good one. Uh, all right, a few honorable mentions for me. The movie Malignant, which I haven't been able to talk about because no one else has seen it. It's absolutely batshit crazy. Biggest twist of the year in a movie. Malignant. Check that one out. The M. Night Shyamalan movie Old, which uh, I think Cycling Night... Yeah, Cycling Night did a review on this one. Did you see this, Matt? Uh-uh. Well, no. I wanted to. Okay. I won't spoil anything for you, but... This, like a lot of M. Night Shyamalan movies, I just wrote down, movie I could see myself re-liking the most in the next year. Like, I enjoyed it now, but in a year I might be like, you know, that's pretty fucking good. Uh, The more I think about it. So, Old by M. Night, check it out. We always appreciate, look, they're not always good for sure, but at least M. Night fucking tries something new, right? He has the balls to do something original. Uh, the movie Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, it's basically like diet, sugar-free John Wick. Uh, I wrote, it's the best movie that I totally forgot I watched. <laughs> or, yeah, organic, non-GMO John, John Wick. John Wick, right, with slightly older guy be- just beating the shit out of people. New Year's, and then, Eve, New Year's resolution John Wick. <laughs> That's good. And then this one you mentioned too, but Tiger, I had to put down. It was my favorite doc by far. And we're big doc heads on here, but I thought when I was going back through the documentaries I watched, this was a much weaker year for documentaries. Especially with everything streaming. Like there's theaters weren't back to last quarter. Right. You think there'd be a ton of docs ready to go, but I think they just pushed them all back because they had so many movies. Yeah. But so it was interesting. I mean, even in a strong year, I still think this one would have had a shot at being my favorite. But I like everything else I looked at that I watched. This thing just beat the shit out of them. Oh yeah. All right, you ready to move on to our protein shake? Sure. Awesome. You sound very excited. This is where we go around and talk about what is in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. First one, I don't really think we need to talk about it. Spider-Man: No Way Home. Check out our review on it. Uh, Banner and I did. I think. Do you have anything else to add to that? I, obviously, it's our favorite movie of the year, so. Perfect. Yeah. So good. Go watch it. I, I it's, it's one I would actually go watch again if I, like, had time. Yeah. I saw <laughs> it twice. It. Once with my wife, once with my mom. And Nate Thurman hadn't seen it yet. And I told him, like, dude, let me know when you're going to see it. I'll go with you. 
Yeah, just, just to see your face. I know. Don't you just want to look at his face when certain moments happen? <laughs> like just hold his hand. Did you stay uh, for uh, the after credit scene for the Doctor Strange two trailer? No. Oh. Check the only one I got was the Tom Hardy thing. Okay, check it out on YouTube. They played it after the. Okay. Looks very dark. And the director, Sam Raimi, of the original Spider-Man is back. Yeah. Uh, we'll go round robin. I watched a movie called Dangerous Lies on Netflix starring Camilla Mendez, who's from Riverdale. And have you seen Palm Springs? She's like the chick getting married in Palm Springs. With the- okay, yeah. <clears throat> She's in uh, Wolf of Wall Street then, too. She was no, no, his sorry. original girlfriend. The other chick, yeah. You're talking about Kristen Milioti. Okay. Sick has a small. She plays her sister in Palm Springs, mm. the one whose wedding they're at. Um, and the plot synopsis here. So the dude from Ocean's Eleven, who's the guy that like sets up all the jobs for them? The old guy. He, like wants to give him furniture. <laughs> he gets sick it's in the not third. Carl Reiner is the other guy. Yeah, Carl yeah, Reiner's. You know what I'm Okay. Yeah. Um. So he plays an old guy who Camila Mendez is taking care of as part of like one of those services where they're like in-home caretaker or whatever. And th- she becomes good friends with him over the course of a few months. And he passes away unexpectedly. And unbeknownst to her and her husband, he leaves her uh, his house and a fortune that they didn't know that he had. And complications ensue as they start to realize uh, certain people who might be after them. And her and her husband start to not trust each other. It is, I would describe as upper tier Netflix trash. Okay. I think it's a good watch with the wife. um, Because it's trashy enough to where like you'll be into it. But also it's competent enough to where it's still fun. But her husband is Jesse T. Usher. Who plays Will Smith's stepson in Independence Day Regurgence. Mm -hmm. And I have to say he is one of the worst actors I've ever seen in my life. Like, utterly horrendous. It's called Dangerous Lies. I think I gave it like a two out of five on Letterboxd. All right, what's in your cup? What have you seen? Uh, first thing we we I think we have to talk about is I watched the uh, Madden documentary. There's a Madden. Which I say, oh, dude. Did this yeah. was this planned before his death? I mean, I can't believe they could make it. It was on Fox on Christmas. Shit. What was it called? It was called All Madden. I, I'm surprised you. It was all over social media and all over like the NFL and everything. I fucked up. I totally missed it. So obviously, uh, Jeff actually knows John Madden, kind of. Yeah, my uncle is uh, very, very close with him. Was. Yeah. So um, I think they knew that his time was coming, so they wanted to do this documentary and stuff, and it's kind of perfect timing. But uh, I'll have to say good and bad about it. One bad is. I hated that Fox did it. Like, there's a lot of other people that could have done this. Like, I mean, this needed to be a, a couple parts. And I will say the saddest thing, especially after he died, is his own words saying, like, yeah, he's like, I've been a football coach. I've been an announcer. I've been a video game guy. I've been a pitchman. I mean, people forget. Like, he was like Miller Lite. Like, he was part yeah. of, like, they had a Miller Lite athletic club with the bunch of old athletes and old coaches and he was like the main pitch man for that when miller light was first starting Damn. and he said all i want to be known as though is a coach and that gets lost so much that he still has the highest winning percentage of any coach that has coached over 100 games like 
And like Belichick isn't even close. Like no other coach is close. Like no other coach is gonna fucking get it. He had that Raiders team that was couldn't get over the fucking hump. He was the youngest coach at 32. Even though back then people looked way older, he looked 52. Yeah. But um, it it does kind of suck just because of the generation. Like no one, and there's not like YouTube of those games in like the 80s and 70s as much as there were in the 90s. But I'll have to say with him dying, a little piece of my childhood died. For sure. Because when I was, being a 90s kid, it wasn't Thanksgiving if you didn't hear Madden and Summerall call the game. Yep. Uh, it wasn't Sega Genesis if you didn't have a Madden game. Like, that was, you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids will say, like, PS, whatever, and, like, once, the, and it kind of sucked as once the players got on the front, Jeff, as a lot of kids probably didn't even know what Madden meant. They probably just thought, it like, oh, that's just what they call a football game. They didn't yeah, they know, know what person. Madden was. But 94 Madden, which I had for Sega, had Madden on the front. Like oh, yeah. John Madden on the front. And he was calling all the plays and everything like that because the older Madden games didn't even have him announcing. And we lost a really good one, man, because he was like one of the greatest announcers, greatest coaches, greatest pitchmen, greatest guys ever. And everyone that talked to him kind of seemed like, and you can test this more than I can, but like you could probably just go up to him with him at an airport and say, hey, I'm a big fan of the Raiders or I'm a big fan of your games. And he'd give you like 20 minutes. He'd like oh, seem yeah. like that type of guy. I mean, I just love seeing people that are so passionate about something. Like like when you find your calling in life, and he certainly did. And he football was his life. And like that's what made him so, yeah. so happy. And like you said, to see himself be – like he was so popular that he was commercialized so much. Like people were like, dude, John Madden could – Everybody fucking loves him. Put him in a commercial for whatever. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, he's like, yeah, but I just want to be known as a football guy. And like you said, whether you have any idea who John Madden was, his name is going to live on forever. Like, they're going right. to make Madden games for the rest of our lives. It's It does suck, though, is I hope that other people do documentaries on him. He's gone now, so you... But you, you still have documentary Like, the Al Davis documentary and uh, yeah. Pete Rozelle was fantastic, and they're not here, but uh, I think, like... 30 for 30 could have done it way better. I mean, you've seen these Fox NFL, like a football life. I mean, they're not that good. They're okay. Yeah. They're not like HBO or 30 for 30 quality. I want like a biopic on him now. Like who could play, who would play John Madden in a biopic? Jonah Hill. Probably, right? You just have to get kind of fat again. He could do it. We'll have to we'll have to fan cast that movie one, uh, someday. Like who would play Howie Long? Who would you play check Howie? it out. You'll like, I mean, it was, it was good. It was good, but I, We've seen documentaries, and especially his stature. I'm like, man, this could be way better. I mean, that has to be like five episodes, right? Like, I just want one hour and a half episode of just how they came up with the Madden game. Well, that's the thing. His story has so many parts. It's it's coach. It's announcer. He changed the announcing game. Like, he he was the telestrator guy. Like, no one did that shit before him. Uh, And and, uh, what was funny is on Thanksgiving, they were saying, like, they had the turkey, and Madden was circling and things like here's a turkey leg here here's one here but if you see back here there's actually two here which will probably turn up too like he's just such a like he is so great yeah dude he i don't know he revolutionized so many things about football and the experience as a fan that are forever changed you if you if you don't know and banner always talks about the score but the announcers make the game a lot of times and i, I will say the best one going today i think is gus johnson that oh makes yeah games. he's awesome 
Gus makes fucking. I was it's, like, dude, Gus Johnson's on the call. This is going to be how funny. into the dude. It could be like Prairie View A and M versus Alabama State, and he'll be like, so like he's willing to die. He'll he'll be a guy that our kids will be like, man, Gus Johnson was like, you know, John Madden to them, or yeah, Marv Albert or whoever. Yeah, Vince Coley. We lost a good one. All right, I'll run through a few of these really quick. Hawkeye, uh, check out our reviews on all the episodes. We did all six of them. Nate Thurman, Brian Banner, and I. Uh, show just ended. Very pleased with it. I think it's my second favorite of all the Marvel shows. And a very popular actor returns in a Marvel role. That's all I will tease that we were not expecting to see. Um, another quick Marvel thing that I watched. So there's two making ofs. They call them Marvel Studios Assembled. There was one that I watched on Black Widow and then one on the animated show What If. So I'll just talk about the Black Widow one today. Um, So these are cool just because you actually get to see, like, the actors talking about their roles in extent. Like, David Harbour, uh, who – I don't watch Stranger Things, but he plays Red Guardian in the movie, the big Russian guy. Perfect. You calling me a liar? When he tells the guy that he beat up Captain America in the 80s, and the guy's like, dude, he was frozen in ice. Like, that doesn't make sense. But he's hilarious in this. He's talking about how shitty he is at, like, stunt work. He's like, dude, I can't even make it look like I'm beating up anyone at all. So for, like, even the slight, like, opening a door, they would have to bring in his stunt double. And he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. I just can't make any of this shit look real. Uh, And then one other thing that I thought was interesting. you, You saw Black Widow, right? Yeah, it almost made my top three, actually. It was a fantastic movie. Okay, good. Same. It was very close. So one thing that I thought was interesting is they were talking about the script writing process and how it changed throughout production. And, uh, okay, spoilers for Black Widow. If you haven't seen it, hit the 30-second skip-ahead thing twice right now. But originally, Taskmaster was going to be Black Widow's friend, the African-American guy that like sets her up with the safe house. He was actually going to be the villain, and then they changed it later on to tie into the story that she tells Loki about Drakov's daughter, which I think I like the story better, but it would have been kind of cool to see that guy as Taskmaster, I think. That's sort of I, I thought the villain was perfect. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't change that, but it's interesting to see, like, they even the have, like... For women, like, wh- like, you know, when we leave an action movie, we want to feel like, oh, you know, I want to be that guy, especially women. I mean sex trafficking and all that type of stuff you know if you're a woman you're like oh i want to go in there and kick the fuck out of that guy and like free all those people and stuff so i thought that i i I thought it was fucking awesome yeah i agree but it it was so far along in production that they even had footage of him like screen testing with the suit on the taskmaster suit that poor guy because he's like man i'm gonna think about him going out to dinner with his girlfriend or some hooker he met he's like yeah i'm gonna be this huge fucking and then he's like yeah i'm innocent not to brag but i'm taskmaster so you know it is what it is you know the role is what it is it's what you make it really but i'll take the check here and i'm taskmaster so small roles only small actors you know what i mean that's <laughs> such a fucking actor line it's ridiculous all right i have two more things i'll say this one really quick i've been talking about the show selling sunset on netflix for a while right This is my trashy reality TV show that I think everyone needs at least one of these in your life where you watch it. Everyone on it is so dumb and it's so scripted that it makes you feel basically like a genius. Like when you see how stupid these fucking people are. Selling Sunset is on Netflix. We're now through our fourth season. And this is about 
women real estate agent at a group called the Oppenheim Group in Los Angeles. So they're basically Matt like early 30s to early 40s, like plastic surgery riddled women trying to look like they're 18 again, selling houses to and for celebrities. Okay. Okay. And I have one of my favorite quotes, I think of all time, that I just want to read from the show. So at the very end of season four, I won't spoil anything if there's anyone out there that hasn't seen or wants to be selling Sunset. But Matt, believe it or not, some of these real estate agent girls are actually arguing with each other. I've, I've seen like two episodes of this. So you had me watch it. Yeah, and it's total trash. But one of the girls' names is Christine, and she has been caught lying about many things, including like pretending to have been engaged to someone that she wasn't. And she has a quote that I absolutely love, and I think anytime any of us get caught doing anything wrong, this is what we should tell both the police, our friends, or any judge who asks us. And this is Christine's quote, verbatim, and I went back and double-checked it to make sure I got it right. When she's caught red-handed, Matt, she says, quote, all I'm asking you is just please don't judge me for things that happen anymore. <laughs> so basically, just let me do whatever I want and don't judge me for it. I feel like I'm back in eighth grade biology reading that quote. Just makes my head hurt. And I think what she says, it they're all very stupid, but even the woman she says it to says, that is a level of dumb that I didn't even know existed among living organisms. So that's my pitch for Selling Sunset. We're through season four. I have one more thing that you'll really like, but uh, anything else you have that you've watched? Yeah, a couple more things. I watched Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg. Love Eddie. What's that? Is that streaming on anything? It's on free on YouTube. Oh, okay, good enough. Yeah. Uh, no one was at the office this week, so I was like, what should I watch? And I've been on a like a Larry Johnson highlight reel kick on YouTube. So I'm like, he was on Eddie because he was actually kind of like on Eddie like uh, King Griffey Jr. was on Little Big League. So I watched that. It was fucking fantastic, Jeff. Because the Knicks coach to the Hornets, right? The, the guy they fired, Dennis Farina? Yeah, and... Yeah. They have to play each other, of course, in the 90s, just like for one game to go to the playoffs. Right, because for some reason that always happens. Is Matt Geiger in this movie? No. Damn it. That was before Geiger was on that team. Zoe should have been on the team, but he must have not wanted to be on the movie. Because like Scott Burrell's in it, oh, uh, Muggsy Bogues. Uh, Muggsy Bogues was down to play ball, man. He was something Newman. Something guard. Kendall Gill wasn't in it. He must have been with Supersonics already or something. Did they have yeah? Who was the other? Uh, they didn't have Ostertag, did they? No, he's with the Jazz. Okay. Well, Ostertag was on the in the movie. With he the was Jazz. With the Knicks. Okay. Just him, Mark Jackson, Rick Fox, because Rick Fox's character acted like he only cheated on his wife once, which is acting for him. <laughs> he's like, I can't relate to this. <laughs> Gary Payton's in it. I mean, there's a ton. Of Nick Van Exel. There's a like a ton of fucking NBA players in it. Gary Payton's in it, and then the player on the Knicks who shoots too much, his name is Stacy Patton, right? Yeah. It's a good oh. movie, dude. You'll have to fucking rewatch it. And then I've watched, um, because they have a new movie out, which I don't know if I'm going to see, but I watched a lot of Reno 911. They've been having a lot of reruns on there. I, I don't know if I'm going to rewatch the other one. Um, 
it's on Paramount, which I don't get. And it's like they're trying to hunt for QAnon. If you want. What? You can have my login to Paramount if you want. Have you watched it yet? I haven't. But based on your brief I, description, I don't know. QAnon? It's been too long. And then the QAnon thing's just like really played out. Like South Park's done it and everything. And like, I would like. I don't know. It's I let's just ask this. Can a Reno nine one one show exist in the world today? Are and that's the thing is that, you know, they're doing the QAnon stuff and I'm like, all right, they're trying to do political, but like I'd say for Reno nine one one side with anybody, it'd be like Trump people anyway. So I, I'm wondering because they did a lot of racial shit. I mean, on that show, like a ton. Yeah. Like that's all it was. So I the movies I never really liked though. I'll I'll uh I'll cite it to you, but the TV show was perfect. But the movies, because they did, I know a Reno 911 movie. I think they did two, and I didn't like really either one of them. No, they have like the first one. I, I've only seen Miami, the movie. It yeah, has Miami some funny does. parts, but on the whole, I would never recommend anyone watch it, really. No. <clears throat> but the show was great. I mean, I, I would say the first three seasons, maybe four, were like perfect television. It was so good. I mean, shit, the opening scene, they kill one of their cops on accident at a surprise birthday party. God, there, there's so many good ones. And like a lot of the actors in it are, are pretty big actors now. And after rewatching it on MTV two is what I was rewatching it on over the Christmas oh, wow. break. And my wife, of course, hasn't seen it. So she was watching it. She's like, Oh my God, this is great. I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> because she watched, um, was it 13 again? Or the one with Efron. Yeah. She's 13 like, well, again. That and Thomas Lynn's in that. And oh she's yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I said, this is, like, where he got his start, like, Lieutenant Dangle. And then, yep. basically, after that, he played Lieutenant Dangle on every fucking other show he's ever been in. Well, that's where we get the quote that we love. That's State of Nevada Law. Where is that the brothel or whatever? The I love that show. It's so good. Every every character is casted so perfectly. I might have to go. I'm gonna have to, uh, is the show on Paramount? Yeah, if it's on MTV, then it's on Paramount, the show. Although I thought yeah, I it should be. I mean, it's been on MTV too. It's weird that Comedy Central has been pumping that movie and actually had like the new Reno 911 people, like, you know, in, in kind of commercials and stuff, but they don't show Reno 911. So they must have lost the copyrights to it or something. I'm not really sure. Because uh, it was always on Comedy Central, not MTV, I think. Yeah. When it was on originally. Yes, it was definitely Comedy Central. Every Wednesday night, I think it was 7th and 8th grade like some yeah. of my friends would come over and like we'd watch that show it was, Dude, so it was like appointment television for me when it was so on. good yeah <laughs> again the humor is definitely not for everybody but <laughs> for me it works i i knew some people that asked to watch it like this is the stupidest thing i've ever seen and they just didn't get it well, i'm like oh man that's so where uh good. thurman and i got new boot goofing, new boot goofing. Oh, i'm just goofing new boot goofing <laughs> And they put his bike through the fucking light pole. <laughs> he always stole his bike. And then when he pulled that one guy over and he's a personal trainer and he's like doing push-ups, like, well, I don't do grandma push-ups, but they're not that good either. <laughs> the one where they have the uh, the DUI checkpoint and they end up doing like a choreographed dance with all yeah. the people there. And step, bump, step, bump, bump. Fuck, I'm, gonna have to I'm gonna have to watch YouTube clips of that tonight because even like Paul Rudd is in a bunch of them. As a oh yeah, Keegan Michael Key Jones, is one of the guys. Whatever. He's like, listen, she's not a hooker. Like, it's not when they're trying to do sting. He's like, by the way, can I buy her like eight hundred dollars? So good. Uh, anything else? No, I'm good. 
All right, I got one last thing. I've done this before, but this time I'm going to see it through the first season. Matt, I started rewatching The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on Netflix. Yeah, it's good. I'm going to do these one episode at a time, okay? It's not good. <laughs> right, so I rewatched episode one, season one, episode one, Day of the Dumpster. Here's the plot synopsis. Following the accidental release of long-imprisoned evil space sorceress Rita Repulsa, a benevolent sage known as Zordon, drafts a group of five teenagers to help protect the planet as dino-powered warriors of goodness. You and I love this show. We fucking grew up on it. The rewatch, I watch while I'm on the treadmill because nothing else pumps me up more than this. I have a few quick notes. <laughs> First off... Uh, Bulk and Skull essentially try to sexually assault Kimberly and Trini in the middle of the Angel Grove gym and juice bar. Eh, it's the 90s. <laughs> like, they ask them on a date, and they say no, and then they, like, lunge at them. And they, of course, like, move out of the way, but, like, what would have happened if they tackled them? <laughs> uh, Zordon has a quote to Alpha when Rita first surfaced after 10,000 years. Where he says, and you totally missed this as a kid, but he says, quote, Alpha, bring us five overbearing and over-emotional humans. <laughs> that's with attitude, they, right? Yeah, with attitude. Yeah. And Alpha says, no, not that. Not teenagers. Not not special forces. Not like the best athletes in the NFL not that are already jacked. Yeah, five fucking teens. And it's really <laughs> funny, too, when, when they bring, just because they don't have time in the episode, we need to get to the fighting. When they bring the Power Rangers, like, as teenagers to Zordon's base, they literally don't ask any questions. He's like, here's fucking dinosaur robots go fight people. They're like, all right, well, we don't know you, but we'll take the keys to the car. <laughs> so It's my, great, too, because they were on Angel Grove Juice Bar and, like, Karate Gym. It was actually before their time, because, like, juice bars are, like, a huge thing now. Yeah, it was a weird deal, though, because there's, like, pinweight machines on the outside of the juice bar where dudes are just like getting their workout in and then in the middle there's like always a karate class going yeah. on and then at the top there's just like a, a juice bar i don't i mean I, basically if they read it now it'd, it'd be a crossfit gym pretty much yeah basically it's just as cultish <laughs> all right that's uh that's all we've watched that brings us to the last part of our show which is our do you even lift bruh segment where we ask a question that we leave the people with and today the question is what are our top 100 movies of all time if you check the link in this description each of the bros is counting down our list from 100 to number one of not the best movies ever but our favorite 100 movies of all time a list very special to each of us and currently today we're going to have geiger do the next four of his to even us all out Geiger has his 86th, 85th, 84th, and 83rd favorite movie of all time. Just as a refresher, again, you can click the link to check out the list. Geiger's 87th favorite movie of all time was Angels in the Outfield. Check out our movie commentary mm -hmm. on that. Matt, what's your 86th favorite movie in the history of your life? Actually, we watched that this week. Um, Blue Chips. Wow, I thought this would be higher, to be honest. So 90s. I mean, so and, and I used to be huge into college basketball. Now it's it's hard because you just don't know the players as right. much anymore. I mean, take what, Jeff, like 10 percent of the NBA. I mean, some of them are the biggest stars. They'd still 
I mean, college, if it's back oh, in the at 90s. least, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, you, you used to know these guys, and, you know, you used to see somebody in the Elite Eight, you know, when they're a sophomore, like, man, they're going to be a problem in the next two years. And mm-hmm. then you'd watch them, you know, when there's college basketball kickoff and stuff. This is such a great movie. It's it's so 90s, too, because if it was made now, they'd be like, okay, how can we make this inspirational? Like, no, let's make this a fucking tragedy. Right. And, and they did because it was true. And it was the first... In the 90s, it just seemed like, hey, let's do behind-the-scenes shit that's true. Like, And that's what they did with the program and this movie and a lot of others. And uh, the casting, dude. Nick Nolte is perfect in this. Channels is inner Bobby Knight, who's also in this. And right. I love how they use real coaches, a la Eddie and real players. I mean, Rick Fox is in this, too. Rick Pitino. You had uh, Jerry Tarkani and Jim Beheim who were recruiting. Uh, and... Penny Hardaway and Shaq, who actually, they weren't even in the pros yet. They were coming out that year because that actually, well, sorry, Shaq was out. He was, yeah, he was a rookie. first year with Orlando because actually after this movie and playing pickup basketball, he actually went to Orlando. He was like, dude, don't draft C-Web, draft this dude, like, because he can get me the ball. Which is a crazy story and really cool. It, it is actually really crazy that that's how Penny went to the Orlando Magic, which is actually a really good story because they did have C web, like who would get him the ball and they kind of clog up. Yeah, You'd have two post players really. Yeah. And uh, whoever played Ricky Rowe was really good. And the whole, the whole movie was just perfect. We've, we've talked about this movie before. I mean, it was years ago, but it's a perfect sports movie. Hell, I grew up in the Pentecostal church. Yeah. How are you like, (laughs) thanks. And, you know, just doing the money thing where I and any college basketball thing, I mean, especially Duke, like everyone's like Duke never did. And I'm like, shut come the on. fuck up. Zion took money to go there. I would maybe say Christian Leitner and some of those Richie kids, maybe not. But I mean, as it went on, especially when it's one and done, you got to pay these kids. And they're there in such a short amount of time. It's hard to prove. So they'll, they'll fucking leave. But. And it's a movie I when I saw it this week, Jeff, I was thinking, man, this is going to be in what, 10 years? Kids will be like, so what's it'll be like the ABA or watching a movie without the three point line. They're like, why was this legal? Because yeah. now, you know, you can get paid for your likeness. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, I love the line. First off, one of the best opening scenes to any movie we have on these lists where Absolutely. he keeps running in the locker room, ripping into them, walking out, <laughs> running back in. The line where Penny Hardaway's character wants to transfer, and he's like, is my mom going to lose her job? He goes, look, if you made some arrangements that I don't know about. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't even want to say it. He's like. And I love how Shaq was the player that didn't want any money. I mean, that just shows his acting range. (laughs) Right. He's like, well, I I really can't relate to this, but I'll try and find. Yeah, I'll try to find, you know, the person. (laughs) Just want to keep going? Yeah. So 86 blue chips. What's your 85? 85's Neighbors. Love Neighbors. And and I'll say this. uh, When Neighbors came out, I'm like, I love this movie because I relate to Efron. Yes. Um, (laughs) That was my life, man. I just grilled out. You know, I smoked weed. I banged chicks. You know, I slept till noon. Went to class sometimes. Rewatching it, I'm like, I'm Seth Rogen now. I have a kid. I just want to go to sleep. (laughs) You know, I'm just trying to get along with my wife. I'm trying to, but I'm also trying to, you know, relive my youth and go to parties and shit. So 
It's a really when they good have the discussion movie, about like who, I, who their who each of their Batmans is, you know? Yeah. That's a great one. Michael Keaton is Batman to me. <laughs> Where is she? Where is she? <laughs> it's so fucking it's such a good movie. And you got um God damn it, I can't remember his name. Uh, Franco is really good in it too. No, uh who's the black guy who's also in um Oh Hannibal Burris? Yeah, Hannibal. Yeah, Hannibal Burris is fucking great. Uh, Rose Burns great friend, like their crazy friend. Well, yeah, and I love uh, uh, the chick from Friends, who's the dean. Oh yeah, Lisa Kudrow. I forgot. Lisa Kudrow's in it when he's like, I just ate a pot brownie before I came in. He's like, I'm the opposite of the person you tell that to. <laughs> it, it's a good movie, and I I don't think it gets enough love as a great comedy. But when I watch it, I like they have an Al Pacino party that I got so pissed off when I saw it. Rep- I'm out of college. I'm like, dude, I would have that party if I was in college. It's a great idea. One of them is like Robert De Niro from Taxi Driver. The other one is like from Meet the Fockers. He has like the fake cat. You're making, yeah, you're pissing off Jinxie Cat, Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> what you, I think your favorite line from that movie is where Dave Franco says to him, it's like, I don't know, man, as a child of divorce, this kind of seems wrong. Yeah, he's like, well, my parents are still married and love each other, so I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I love Efron. And that that movie really busted Efron out. Um, you know, he was the Disney kid that was just poppy and stuff, and then he did Neighbors. are like, okay, he's, you know, he's ready for some raunchy comedies and some different stuff now. Well, that was Great. the movie where it came out that his coke addiction really <laughs> was a problem. Yeah, I... That also showed that he was ready for the fucking big time. <laughs> Good pick. All right. All right. What's your number on 84. 84 Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Can I call this a hangover movie? I don't know why. I like watching it when I'm hungover. It's always on like in the mornings on the weekends. I feel it like. is. It's on. Uh, I'm not hungover too much anymore, but you know, I just get done with my workout in the garage and I'm watching my kid. I'm cooking my eggs and gladiators on. And it's a movie that. I haven't seen all the way through in a really long time. I remember asking it for DVD, how old I am. I, I asked it for DVD, I think maybe like five or six Christmases ago, and I got it. Um, and I was back home, and I was staying at my aunt's place, and I watched the whole thing before I went out to the bar and partied with all my old high school friends. God, and it just awesome. got me in the fucking – I was like, let's go. Yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. And what's insane is to show how old it is, Jeff, is – like they thought Russell Crowe got in shape for that movie. Imagine if that movie was done today, how roided out yeah. whatever actor would be to fucking play a gladiator. Right. And look at Russell Crowe now. How, how far we've come. And Joaquin Phoenix is in. That was my introduction to Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know if that came out right before Signs. It was close. But to me, that was where I was like, okay, this. But Signs, he kind of plays like a Shuxy Doodles type guy. Right. Gladiator is where you're like, dude, this guy is not fucking around. He's about to take Hollywood by storm. Ridley Scott, right? Yep. And that's what kind of made me introduce to Ridley Scott anyway. Yeah, because we're not big Blade Runner guys on this pod. Sorry to say it. All right. What's your last one for tonight? Number 83 of all time. 83. I'm going to go Scarface. Um,. I don't think this is as great a movie as a lot of people do. Obviously, it's 83 on the list. It's a really good movie. Um, it er- introduced me um, you know, to a lot of things. Like 
we remember watching Cribs when everyone started talking about Scarface, Scarface. God, I never, everybody had that poster. And I, I never saw the movie. I never saw it. Then I finally saw it. And I will say, to get to the third act, to get to that last act, which is fantastic. When he's smoke, when he's sniffing all the blow, and he's made it, and it is. I don't think it's the first rags the riches story ever in cinema. It might be one of the ones that really highlighted it and stuff, but it just takes forever to get there. Yeah. And you know, the, there's some stuff that you like to imitate and stuff, but I hate to say this on my top 100 list. And I'm saying it's like a bad movie. I'm just saying the third act is fucking so great. But most of the time if I'm, when I used to watch it on DVD or anything, I would fast forward or skip a lot of the stuff just to get to the third act because it's such a fucking long movie. And but it has, is a really good movie. for what it's worth, one of the most famous movie lines of all time. Don't say, say hello, hello to my love friend. And I mean, between this and Godfather, like within a five year stretch, regardless of what else he did in his career, Al Pacino cemented himself as one of the most iconic actors of all time. It's pretty impressive there. Plus, I'm glad you have Michelle to, Pfeiffer. For one yeah, yeah. Oh, like sex symbol Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. I'm glad you have movies like Gladiator and Scarface because if nothing else, it legitimizes our list. And I just want to show you at home, and you can look at this on the link below to our list, why you should listen to the Broforce Squad because we give you a little bit of everything. Here's everyone's 83rd favorite movies of all time. To show you how unique these lists are to us, we have Scarface for Matt Geiger. Ronnie Cycli has Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> Nate Thurman has Back to the Future. Again, very like two legitimately iconic AFI films in that in Scarface. Boehner has Murder on the Orient Express, the 2017 edition. And then me, even with Scarface and Back to the Future, I have Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. That's a good movie. It is. So that shows you how eclectic our lists are. All right, Matt, anything you want to leave the people with? For our last show, I mean, as this is coming out, it's probably early 2022, but for all intents and purposes, this is the end of 2021's movie season. Closing thoughts. Uh, just move over for emergency vehicles. I know we never talk about this on the pod, but that's going to be my New Year's resolution. That's great. That's really good. I like that. Uh, I actually have a new piece of advice that I'm going to start giving people. I went to get my hair cut today. And the person who was finishing up before me with my barber made some really questionable choices in the chair, both in terms of the color they were asking them to dye his hair and just some like aesthetic choices. So this is what I'm going to say from now on every day when we close the pod. Please make smart decisions when getting your hair cut. It's not permanent, but it's going to last at least a month. Okay. This is not the time to fuck around and find out. It's my tattoo. It says, please make reasonable choices. Seems like an odd thing to get tattooed on your neck. <laughs> That's from uh, the internship, right? Yeah. Make <laughs> reasonable choices. He's a mattress salesman. <laughs> All right. For our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger. All the bros not with us. The American hero, Nate Thurman. Matt scientist, Brian Banner. Our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli. I am the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. We are the Bro Four Squad Podcast. Thank you guys for checking us out. It's been an awesome movie year. Catch us soon for our movie preview show for 2022. We appreciate you guys listening to us. Follow us on Twitter at Bro Four Squad. Type in Bro Force 
Squad as three separate words on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, anywhere you find your podcasts. You will find us there and check out our website and our top 100 lists of all time for our favorite movies, row4squad.com. Till next time, we'll see you in 2022. I got two calendars as gifts. So now it's like, well, you can't have two calendars. You know, you got to pick one. My mom gave me a calendar for my office. And I'm like, cool. And I'm like, but I have like calendar on my computer. Like, well, it's basically the same.